Ava Talks, inspiration for creating a sustainable and fulfilling life. Hello and welcome to our podcast series dedicated to discovering new, creative and sustainable ways for making choices that empower you to live a happy and meaningful life. In our today's conversation with our special guest Eva Wieprecht, the director of the International Virginia Satir Institute of Germany, international speaker and trainer in the generative change work, we unpack the topic of relationships. You will get to discover how polarities, challenges, growth, conflicts, evolution, destruction, curiosity, patterns of behavior, fixed references, mindfulness, and love can all have their role in our relationships, as relationships can be both the problem and the solution, as Eva points out in the conversation, what actually is the difference that makes all the difference. Of course, we would also love to hear your own opinion on this topic and connect. So, feel free to comment, share, follow and subscribe. Enjoy! Hello Eva and welcome back to Ava Talks. Hi Alina, thank you for having me. We are here in a day that I think it's gonna stir up some interesting things as the topic that we chose is a challenging one and a beautiful one at, at the same time. And it's the topic of relationships and how complicated or simple they are and how complex and challenging can, can one uh, relate to uh, these experiences in relationships. As usually we are confronted or we are presented with uh, multiple kinds of relationships and a lot of times conflicts show up in relationships or tensions, let's say, if, yeah. if conflicts. And uh, there are also traditions that say that uh, relationships are built on opposites and polarities. And probably uh, this is one of the main challenges in relationship, how you balance those polarities and create a balance and harmony and evolution within the, the relationship and for each individual in, in their own way. And I would like to ask you, what's your opinion about the complexity of relationships and how can that be an element for, for growth and evolution rather than an element for conflict and destruction even? Um, I think it has the potential for both equally. You know, relationship to me is the solution and relationship is the problem. It's a very interesting way of putting it. <laughs> um, uh, just to uh, just to make a yeah to make a remark. It to me it is the solution. To me it is also the the problem. And what I mean by that is, is a matter of finding the right rhythm and finding the right harmony and finding the complementarities of the truths that are important to hold at the same time. You know, when I, when I come from the original unit, when 
when we are we have we all have had an experience where we were through the navel cord intimately fully connected to another human being so there's a oneness i'm in the womb i'm completely connected to another human being i'm bonded through uh, the navel cord so there's there's even that that thread of connection where i am completely taken care of nature is taking care of me everything is there i don't even have to when i'm the little baby i don't even have to worry about it it's just taking care of it just happens so there is the unit of i'm completely bonded and in communion in relationship in connection with another being and then there's the significant time where i change the element um, before i'm in the waters and then all of a sudden I pop up into the air. So I am completely changing elements and it's a shock. And the second, and that makes me, pushes me into this, um, now I'm supposed to breathe. It's, it's different. I have to, you know, I have to, to, to use my lungs. I have to take air in, I have, I have to breathe. And it's a magical thing for me that we are able to, you know, get a little help, get a little push, and all of a sudden I'm understanding with the outside adversities, with the change of the elements that I'm understanding I can breathe now, most of the times. And then there's the significant moment where the navel cord gets cut. So now I'm separate. And that's true too. There's a separation between mother and the baby. And um, now I have this little entity and it's a separate being. And, but then we also obviously are moving through these stages where we still need the support of other people making sure that we survive. And that's where all these relationship messages are explicitly and implicitly arriving into an, a complete open body of a baby. A, bo a baby body is open. It's open holes and everything we receive as messages and all the implicit and explicit messages I get in and I make meaning out of what that means in terms of who I am as a person, who I become, what other people expect of me and how relationship works. If I give my mom a smile, she really likes that. So she gives me holding. So I will smile more. Um, so there's all these different things that I learn about how can I relate in a way that will first initially support my survival needs because that is essential. I need to survive and I need other people in order to make that happen. I can, when I'm little, I can do that by myself. And to me then, and, and the challenge of the mother and the father, the family is uh, when we've successfully helped a child to grow up and stand on their own feet and made it really happen, do we have the capacity and the courage in us to then let the child that has grown up go and say, you made it, congratulations. You may have gotten some good things. You may have gotten some things that you're questioning, but this is all we got. And what is incomplete, please go forward and, and look for other models so that you can learn something new that we were not able to hold for you. Usually we don't really have a communication tradition to support that, but the challenge for the 
the family is, can we let our grown-up kids go to go on their own journey? Or are we holding still on to this invisible navel cord and saying you're still in connection with us? Yeah, and I think that another thing that shows up is the, the parent's journey from the, the state of the babies still in the womb and then them getting the, the role of the parents by the birth of the baby and then going the, the whole way through, through the journey until the, the little baby becomes a grown-up mm-hmm. and they need to change maybe the roles again and be not the parents of a baby or a child but the parents of a grown-up person. Absolutely. And th- there are journeys, uh, parallel journeys for the mother, for the father, and for the child that are combined in the, in the relationship in the family. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, you know, I, mean, I, I playfully said it's the problem and the solution at the same time. You know, it, it really is a, a dance of multiple factors. I mean, I have to bring my own self the, the, in the best way that I know myself. And that's a challenge, a whole big um, challenge in itself. How much do I really know myself intimately in a way of, of being the best version of myself? And so that's the whole area of self-growth and self-development or coaching. Um, self-actualization where people are you know seeking support in order to really get to know themselves on the this internal journey and their different models for example in the satya model we have an iceberg model as the levels of experiences where you can learn to more and more understand what is going on inside of your body when all these different emotions come up or i'm having trigger feelings and um, I'm feeling confused. There's all these things, and and it t- does take a lot of knowledge about our own self to really fully show up in a moment in time. So that's one part of the show, which is already in itself um, very complex. And then you have a second um, person that is part of the conversation when I'm talking about relationships. So here's somebody else, and they bring their own challenges they bring their own ideas they bring their own relationship understandings their own ways of having grown up then depending on who we are maybe we're really close friends so we are really important to each other or we are intimacy partners and we're creating a family then there's another layer of importancy now they have two people coming together and the challenge is to create a we what does it mean that I and you, who are sharing differences and who are also sharing sameness on the level of being a human, we have the same yearnings, we have the same feelings, and we have kind of a similar um, structure. Like we both have a heart, and usually it's pretty much in the same place. Um, we, we're both experiencing core challenges in life so there are a number of similarities how do we create a we that is honoring the samenesses that connect us but also the differences and that is a huge challenge and then there's also the we that gets created is different in every context 
are we sharing a professional context that may be very different to us going on a vacation trip or us being with friends in an evening setting? Um, am I tired? Am I, you know, in a really good state? Did I have a good, good food? And so I, I have a really good sense of well-being in my own skin and I'm, I'm in a relaxed state, it's you know, nothing to do right now. Depending on what situation we're in, it creates a whole different relationship, even with the same people. You know, so age matters, context matters, the time, our environment, where we are matters. There's so many factors. And, and so it's a continuous updating of me, you, the us, the we that gets created in the specific moment. Relationships are forever ongoing, growing, um, relating. And I just made the remark before, I love that the Germans have two ways of naming or labeling what we call a relationship. Um, one is Beziehung, which means it's tour, there's a movement of towards, but then there's also a dragging. So somebody is dragging the other into the space, so to speak. That would be the very traditional term of talking about relationship in German. That's interesting. So my culture is teaching me there's some dragging happening in a relationship. So it's almost like the children's game, you know. I, I don't know if you played that on birthday parties where you have two opponents and they're dragging. And then you try yeah. to win, uh, you know, whoever is strongest. So in our German culture, when we talk about relationship, we are playing those games, obviously. When I talk about it in a different frame, then I can label it Begegnung. The first part is the same, which is B, B uh, meaning there's a towards. Gegnung means there's an opponent almost like in sports. So here's a team and here's a team and we give it our best. So there's a kind of an element of strength in it too. And it's also an element of, I really want to show up. I really want to present myself. And that's less the giving in where you, you know, you, so, the, so there, there are different qualities and even saying the different words, I'm noticing I'm activating different qualities in me. Mm -hmm. So I think there's also the question, how do I want to create and how did I learn to create a relation, what I call a relationship? Yeah, so the reference is always an important element to what do I consider as reference for, for my relationship. And what I noticed a lot is the fixed references that we a lot of times keep about people and about contexts. Mm -hmm. And uh, for instance, if we met a person in a certain context, the tendency a lot of the times is to keep that reference and uh, freeze it. Mm -hmm. Although we interact with the same person in different other contexts or situations or at different time frames. And um, in this way, we, we also freeze the relationship because we keep turning it back to the same old reference that maybe is, is not valid anymore. Because as you said, there is a dynamic in, in 
every relationship, even if it's the same people that are involved. Yeah. I love what you just said. Um, and it reminds me of a remark I made in a workshop. I was just doing a, a workshop in communication skills in the facility management industry. And we had an oral testing. And in the testing about communication skills, one person made the comment, I know my people, I know my employees. So I know exactly how to react to them. So there was a lot about I know them, which is a reference to what you were saying about fixating, putting somebody in a certain box, like I know this person, period. And I said, I like to slow this idea down. And I want to remind you of this idea that it's maybe helpful to have certain experiences made with your employees so there, there may be a certain pattern that connects so you can anticipate so you can kind of prepare yourself what usually comes in a you know let's say somebody comes late for work and and you remind them of the need for coming on time because of the regulation and because of the body of the work and you may ha have an anticipation what may be the excuse for them to have come late again so it's good to be prepared right it's good to have your understanding like oh yeah i made these experiences but i said equally if you sincerely want to create quality relationships especially with the ones that you seemingly know for a very long time allow yourself to stay curious and be surprised that maybe sometimes it's different than you anticipate it to be true because if I don't seed in, maybe it's different. Maybe I can look for the subtle, most subtle difference any given moment in time. If I'm not allowing that to happen, I don't actually communicate with anybody. I don't actually am in a relationship because it's basically me having a script about who we are and what the other person is. And I'm basically handing over a script and say, that's who you are. And this is your response. Is that why even why even relating in a, in a communication way? Because you're writing the script from A to Z, and there's no, no other possibility that the script could be rewritten. And if we want to improve and, and, and rewrite and, and be really in the moment and, and be fresh, what I like to say in life, I have to allow myself to let go of the script, be surprised by the others, and take in information, take in feedback, and then from that place, reorganize how I want to respond to it. So I like to, I like to differentiate between reaction and respond. Reaction means I know what's going to happen, and I'm in the need of survival. I react a certain way, and it comes from coping. It comes from the need for safety, and it comes from a written script. It's automatic. But when I slow things down, when I allow to take a pause and really take in what I'm hearing and sensing and feeling from the other person coming, there's a possibility in me that I can update my own script so to speak and then respond to it and said oh 
wow, you know, my script was originally that um, you were Facebooking forever again and you, need, you, you were just sleeping in and um, that's your usual script. But wow, I'm hearing that your grandmother um, had the virus and that you had to take care of bringing her to the hospital or whatever the case is. And well, I'm so sorry to hear that you were struggling with, with something um, in your family. I mean, I have to find appropriate responses because maybe my usual is, oh, this person is coming late because they don't know how to watch their time and go to sleep at the right hour. And here some, some emergency happened. I want to respond to the emergency in an appropriate way. Yeah, and maybe the potential risk in putting people in, in boxes and projecting frames is to encourage the development of that frame for a longer period of time than it was necessary. Because if, let's say, that person expects the boss to behave and to see him, him in a certain way, why should he or her want to change that? Mm-hmm because um, it's the same old reaction that they get. And even if they try to change, it's not visible enough to make a difference. And encouraging a pattern that is not useful for any of them, but it's it's going on a lot of times. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think those are like the two opposite truths too, right? That we can hold in relationships. It is true that the past is a good predictor for the present and future activities. So whatever I learned from the past in the relationship, I can probably predict that to be happening as an ongoing pattern because um, similar to my blouse, there's a repetitive patterning happening in relationship, especially in relationship of importance. Um, You know, you find a lot of times when you look at a family map um, about the lineage that um, for example, in my family, Val- there's Valentin the first, which was my grandfather, and then the name um, they gave my father was Valentin the second. So the, the so there's senior, there's junior. I was supposed to be the third. So sometimes we we, we make it visible by passing on names. Yeah. Um, if you have a family-owned company, there's a expectation. I've I've founded the company. You take it over, and then we pass it to the next generation. Some of them are explicit relationship expectations to continue a certain pattern that we call a lineage then. But there's also other things that are keep happening. Maybe my, um, I'm realizing, wow, I found myself in a relationship with an alcoholic. Wow, how did that happen? I look back and I'm noticing, oh, my mom did the same thing. Oh, and if I look back, the same thing happened the generation before. A lot of times you find even unhelpful patterns connecting, 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 connecting. It's like a passed on um, relationship skill, if you wish. We're staying in a certain, on a certain track. Um, so there is a predictor of whatever behavior ha- I have noticed in the past. I probably can predict that to be happening again. And the other paradoxical truth is equally true. It may be different this time. There may be an interruption in the pattern 
because a lot of us are seeking to grow beyond certain things. So I'm trying out different things. And then it's important, especially when we think about couples, you know, maybe couples doing couple therapy and hoping to interrupt the pattern. Then there's a big challenge where I will have to be open enough to also notice the slight little difference that will make a difference and where I can sense, oh, here's not the exact same thing happening. Here's something happening just a little bit different. And that's an opening for us to create a new dance. Um, so there is the pattern that probably will repeat itself. And that's very strong because it comes in learning. And most of the learning is passed on for many generations. So it's been in the nervous system for a very long time. But then there's also the potential stay curious that something new can happen because if we want to improve our relationship, we also want to be open that something new will happen and be introduced in the relationship to be lifted to a new, new element. And then there's another principle to me is like we need the opposites of I need to be intimately bonded. I need to be connected and have this intimacy bonding and feeling really, really, really close to another person. And then there are different ways to exercise that. So it could be in a beautiful conversation that's very close, can be you know, through a hug, or you know, can be through other ways of being really close to each other. But then there's also the need for, I need to have my own space. I need to have that navel cord um, separation and really feel I can be my own unit self. And that is separate and differentiated and other than you. And I don't have to be threatened by that. And that's another challenge in relationship. Can I be me and you being you? And that means otherness and otherness not being the source for conflict. And that needs a lot of times education for me because otherness a lot of times will actually trigger um, in our survival needs threat. I think that's where like the polyvagal nerve, like our mammal nerve, that's a big nerve that goes all the way down. A lot of times get triggered. Oh my God, there's something else. Um, now I have a need to feel safe and that goes first. And if I don't feel safe, then that's what usually triggers conflict and fight. And so it, in order to feel otherness in an enriching way, I need to be feeling good about myself. I need to have high self-esteem. I need to be centered in the here and the now and the moment. And I need to be resourceful. I need to be mindful, present, that I can enjoy the delightfulness of being me and the other being the other and finding a conversational dance where we can enrich and grow with each other. And that needs skill. Yeah, definitely. And I know you are conducting a lot of workshops on the topic of relationships and of family systems and systemic models and very complex things that actually are present throughout our whole lives. It's only that we are more or less aware of them and how they impact us and 
what is our role in the bigger picture of the system, but also in the system of our own life. Yeah. And what do you think is the main or one of the main challenges that people are facing when are engaged in relationships? Besides this need for belonging and for own identity, that is yeah. holding of complementarities. You know, to me is the, the um, and I think it connects to what I just said. The other link is to understand when I am run, when the past is coming into the way. When I'm not, you know, I, I usually like to make the difference between being able to make contact and being in and the picture i would want to give you is sometimes we're in relationship with somebody but it is as if i'm turning my whole body away from you and i'm looking in another direction meaning into my past i see you but as i see you something in me automatically happens and internally i'm turning my whole body away from you and i'm facing in another direction and so i'm not with the relationship in the moment in time anymore. I'm actually completely absorbed in my past history. So I'm talking to somebody else without knowing it. So a big challenge to me is I don't know what I don't know about myself. I've been saying that before. And I only know what I know. Meaning every relationship can activate something I know about other really important relationships and whatever is unresolved in my family, unresolved in my own self, will give me the potential that you trigger something in our relationship and I will time travel back into my childhood experience and where I am most in connection with is not with you, but is, is with my struggles that I haven't resolved yet. And a lot of times it's completely unconscious. I don't even know I'm time traveling. I don't even know that I'm facing a challenge that I haven't resolved. What I'm noticing is there's a body in the house, but I'm not there. It's like the picture that Virginia Satir sometimes likes to give is we have a little person in a big body. Mm -hmm. So my big body is showing up. My little person is very much absorbed in another story as I'm in physical space or in connection with you uh, and it seems as if we're having a conversation but the conversation has little to do with the two of us has much more to do with the projections with the filters that are coming layers and layers into our conversation so we're both basically talking in a projection yeah of each other and not to ourselves, and that's uh where the whole set of family reconstruction work comes in. How do I, how is my past coming into my present and stopping me from actually having a really honest and truthful connection? That's one layer. And it also may be, I'm looking at you and you have this gorgeous beauty and I may feel jealous. I may feel I'm not as gorgeous as you. So I'm confronted with my my shadow part of i was never accepted as this beautiful person or something like that so i may see something in you that i really wanted but i never felt i had 
and that makes me not feel good about myself. So I'm little in my self-esteem. My self-worth is diminished. I see something in you I want, but I can't, um, I don't have the tools yet to talk with you about it. The great version would be, Alina, um, there's something in your presence as a person that I so love and I so admire. And you know, you're really good model for me. And I want a little bit more of that. And I would like to learn from you and bring that into my light as well. So thank you for modeling this beautiful presence that you have. And I cannot even put the words to it, but you bring it. And so I want to learn from that. That would be a skillful way for me to say, I'm seeing something in you that I would like to have in me more. And I want to learn from you. But if I learn to, I cannot um, share those things. It's not okay to feel um, a little bit jealous or a little bit, you know, wanting something that other people have, then I, can't exp I cannot express that. What happens then is I may have to make you wrong. I may have to say, oh, I don't know. She seems to be very arrogant and I don't know what that is. So I project something to you, but it has a lot to do with me. We, we, there, there's an effect they call Spinoza effect. Hmm. And sometimes it's, it's talked by the rule, what Paul says about Peter says more about Paul than about Peter. So I may so say something about you, but that says everything about me and nothing about you. Mm -hmm. those, those are, you know, those different projections that I haven't owned yet. And, and that's the whole layer of, self, again, self-discovery and learning about my own incompleteness. And the tool that we usually use in the family systems work is parts party. So I work with my likes and my dislikes and, and I bring them into a harmony of owning all my many faces and getting to know myself better so that I can be best reflected from other people and see myself in their mirror. Yeah, that, I think this is a, a really powerful and insightful instrument of self-development and uh, leads to a lot more balance in relationships because it prevents the projection phase from coming in and treating people as projections and not as they really are and taking their appearance and their actions for what they are or or at least witnessing them from, from a centered approach rather than feeling either defensive or vulnerable or feeling the need to, to attack them in, in any way as a coping mechanism yeah. and to, to validate our own abilities. Let's say we, we project negative things on the others so that we look a little bit better than, than everybody else so this and what you said earlier and this is one of the valuable the great things that i i find in, in uh, your work is this systemic approach not only to the outside relationships but also to the inner relationships that i think are less seen as systemic and uh, when people think about systemic work or systemic thinking and so on, they, they pretty much relate to outside and to visible things. 
rather than internal. And when you get the awareness of how your own system is working, I think that uh, you bring a lot of awareness also in the outside system. Yeah. And, and contribute to, to creating different kind of, of systems between uh, people in relationships. Virginia Satir made her mission, um, her life work um, to create peace within, peace between, and peace among. And it took me quite some time as a student to realize it's the sequence. It's peace, creating peace within as a, as a first commitment, and which will then allow peace with, do my share, if you wish, to create more peace between. And, and then that will also radiate out as we are a model of relationship to other people to do something similar. And so to me, it's step one inside, step two in the between space, and then step three, um, how does it ripple out? It also does come from another, uh, you know, from the other dimension. I may, you know, I may find a teacher that is really inspiring to me and then I um, create a relationship where I can really exercise certain qualities that are really important and that will reflect back something very helpful, positive to my own self. But it always takes the internal processing and the internalized and integrational piece of all the many faces that I hold inside of myself. I mean, as I, I come back to the original picture, a baby is like a sponge that has open, open holes. It takes in all the different informational pieces. And in the work, we sometimes do an exercise where I would say, I am myself, I am my sister, I am my uncle, I am my aunt, I am my mother, I am my father, I am my grandfather, I am my grandmother. I'm my grand-grandfather, I'm grand-grandmother. So doing a sequence where I bring all these many people that used to be on the outside, in this particular case, family members, but the same is true for influential other people. I am my nanny who helped me grow up. I'm my great cousin who was always babysitting me as I was very little, so I'm her too. I am my dog that I grew up with. So every influential picture, uh, representation, house, I am my house that I grew up with and that taught me certain different things. So there are many things that I have a relationship with and when I am open and receptive, I take it all in. And the interesting thing is when I allow to get to know all of that more, whatever I take all into myself, like or dislike, it happens. It just happens because we're taking in all of those things. Then the more I get to know about myself on these all diff- different dimensions, the more I can choose what was incomplete for some of the people that I grew up with and can I complement that with a new way of being. For example, my friend yesterday said, it's so bizarre. My dad was very, very harsh. And he would sometimes do things like I would be on the computer or would listening to some music. And the way he would, like, he, I didn't even hear him. He slammed the door open and he would yell at me, don't you think it's time to go to sleep? 
He said he never he never hit me, but the 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 energy field, the way he was yelling out, isn't it time for you to to and, and the way it was done, it was really hard for me to take in. And I I had I was afraid of my dad. I was really, really afraid growing up. And then he said, the funny thing is I remember a time where I was in my education and I was far away from my parents' house and I was listening to music for a long time and all of a sudden I had this internal fear and I thought, oh my God, my dad is going to come and, and open the door because I was looking, looking at the watch, noticing it's two o'clock in the morning. I should be going to sleep. And then he said, it happened again. My dad is now four years dead. So I know for a fact, I know for a fact he cannot slam the door open and yell at me. Yet, I sometimes, when I notice it's really late and I should be going to sleep, I'm having the same reaction. Isn't that funny? And I said, no, that totally makes sense. That part with that relationship part of your dad that used to be this voice that used to be on the outside, you interjected that. You brought it inside of yourself. So every time you're knowing, oh my God, it's late, uh, here's the voice again. If we don't turn to that face, to that voice that was once on the outside and I got scared and I had to turn away from and protect myself, if I don't return to this in a more connected, self-centered mindful way and say, okay, so how can I make sense of this inner voice in a way that will actually be supportive? Because I could also say, oh, thank you for letting me know it's two o'clock in the morning. There's a truth to that. I'm actually pretty tired. I, I, I'm going to choose now for that advice to go to sleep. But the question is, is it a voice that is having an impact on me? Is it talking to me or am I owning the voice by saying, okay, here's a voice that I internalize and it may give me some advice about going to sleep at a decent time. Maybe this time I can actually listen to it. But for that to transform this way, I have to understand once upon a time there was a very scary voice and I had to protect myself. I've had really scared as a boy Today, I've grown up to the man, and I'm not doing the same exercise as he did. I have grown up to a very gentle man who is, um, you know, reminding people in a more humorous and playful and decent and very nice way. And so I've actually grown up to that man. So I can let that part of me that gets scared again know, you know, maybe that's a good advice. Maybe we, we are going to sleep now at two o'clock. And then it can transform itself. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole system inside of us. We're all multiple personalities by nature because we're bringing all these people in. And some of it needs a little bit of transformation. That's where the work comes in. That's why I do relationship pieces of outside, inside, inside, outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I know that you do this so so beautifully in, in your workshops and actually you you train people how to develop those skills mm -hmm. to do that for themselves in real life situations after leaving the the workshop room and not not just thinking about it as a fixed a contextual reference mm 
yeah. taking that skill and living it mm -hmm. in their their daily daily lives and yeah this is one of the the things that you you will also do in in the next workshop that we'll have soon in Bucharest and it's actually with the with the topic of relationships as the the main reference point and i'm i'm really glad that you accepted the invitation yeah you know i'm excited that we are doing it with the combination with the connection of mindfulness and relationship because to me that is the key relationship happens all the time then the question is what's the quality of the relationship because the idea the formula is the quality of your life is really determined by the quality of your relationship Mm -hmm. We do have relationships all the time, but are there quality relationships? I think that's the key questions. And that's where mindfulness or being present um, is coming in play. And, and, and you know, I, I was giving this example about, am I here in relationship with you or am I busy with something else that is uncleared in my past? And so for me, really the key element is, for having quality relationship that are determining the quality of my life, I need a practice that will allow me to be mindful in relationships. So the combination of those two are making the magic for me. And then the other side is when do I notice that I'm not mindful right now so that I can create more knowing about myself so that I can do something different. And I'm really excited that we can do that because being in connection with your own self and then with others is really where the juice of life is. And relationships are really, to me, the juices of life, what makes life exciting and important and great. I mean, Carl Jung was um, using the two pillars of life, like work and love. And then we need practices that work and life is coming together and or love and love is expressed in relationship spaces and that i think we can support to do in a good way mm -hmm. yeah and i know somebody once said that love is a context and i'd really like to end on that note of putting the relationships in the context of mindfulness and love mm. And yeah, uh, get to experience that as a as a starting point in a, in a workshop. Maybe if we did not get the possibility of experience this mindfulness and this deep experience in other situations, but then uh, get a, a touch of it, a sense of it, and cultivate it in our daily relationships yeah thank you very much for for your participation in this conversation today and uh, looking forward to our next ones to come me too thank and you. thank you for being the pillar of a love and work relationship in a really mindful way for me and that was our today's episode of our choices series let us know your opinion about the topics we touched and make sure you share it with the people that would most benefit from listening to it. To be sure you are not missing out on important topics for you, simply subscribe to our channel and get notified when new episodes are released. 
Until next time, stay healthy, centered, connected, and committed to design the life that you want.